we're going to shift gears now, and we're going to move over to Ireland. And I have a friend that I have uh, met. I, I met him on Twitter, and we've become friends after that. He is uh, a, uh, a singer-songwriter. He's a school teacher, and he has some really great views on on the perspective of life here in the United States. And his name is Andy McCarroll. And I'm going to let you listen to one of his songs called It's Not Easy. And I'm going to get Andy on the mic, and we will be right back with Andy McCarroll.
singer-songwriter Andy McCarroll, and Andy's calling in from Ireland, and we just had a tremendous success with um, uh, finding talent in Ireland. Not only is the United States um, here just flooded with talented musicians and singer-songwriters and actors and poets and uh, artists of every genre in between, um, there's just so much talent in the world, and a lot of that talent is in Ireland. So you just heard Andy's song, um, It's Not Easy, and you can find more at Andy as we go along at andymccarroll.com. And thank you, Andy, for coming on. Oh, hi, Laurie. Thank you for inviting me on. Thank you. No, it, 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 it's a thrill. I, I, I've known Andy almost probably a year because, as everybody knows, I'm a huge Twitter fanatic. I talk to Andy all the time on Twitter, and we email back and forth. And I played his music yeah. on the show before, so... Uh, this is the Andy McCarroll. When we're talking about the Andy McCarroll, we're running Andy McCarroll's uh, uh, music on the show. Here he is, right here. So by day, Andy, you are a school teacher. Yes, I am. Yeah. I and teach, then at night, um, you you don your cape and become a singer songwriter. <laughs> yes, I teach. I teach eleven year olds, and I love my job. And um, it's an integrated school, which is a, a mixture of both. Protestant, Catholic, and, and other religions and, and non-religious people uh, in, in in Northern Ireland. So uh, that's what I, that's my day job. And in the uh, when I get some time outside of family time, uh, I like to write music. I like to write songs. Well, right now in well in in Northern Ireland especially, kind of has a history of violence and uh, turmoil going on. What's the climate like right now? Well, things have changed a lot. I mean, since um, the sixties, seventies, and so on, uh, things have changed incredibly. So, I mean, it, it's very much normal life here. Um, back then, you when you went into shops. Uh, you had to be uh, searched every time you went into the shop. Everyone, every time you, you went anywhere, you were stopped by the police or stopped by the army. Your car was searched. But that is all gone. Uh, and it's very much normal life now, which is great. Um, it's a lovely place to be. I, I love Ireland. I've just been uh, up at the north coast at a place called the Giants Causeway. I don't know you've, if you've heard of it or not. Um, but it was absolutely gorgeous weather, and it's a lovely place to be, lovely place to be. Recommend anybody coming to Ireland. I would like to go to Ireland. I, I need to get a passport. One day, <laughs> maybe, maybe this week, I'm going to go down and just apply for a passport, because that's half the battle. Once I get a passport, then maybe actually I will go somewhere. But I've never been yeah. anywhere other than Mexico and Hawaii and Canada. Other than that, I haven't been anywhere. I'd love to go to Ireland, though. There's so much talent in Ireland. It's not even that big of a place, but it's flooded with with talent. There's a lot of music that that affects the world that comes out of Ireland. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a it's a good it's a good place to be. Um, a lot of talent. A lot of. Um, um, it, it's just a beautiful place. The whole. The people are very, very kind, very nice, very friendly. Um, if you want to have a good chat, a good laugh, Ireland's the place to come to. Um, so recommend that you come anytime. And besides, but the, now that you know so many people, you, you have lots of places to stay. That is true. I, I, I could just, uh, what do they call it when you uh, just sleep on people's couches and, you know, kind of go through... <laughs> the, the, oh, we, we do the have we do way. have beds here. We have beds here. Oh, you do have beds. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's it like in Ireland as far as you and I have talked before? The, the world kind of sees the United States as kind of more of a violent society. Now, in Ireland, what's your crime rate like? Um, in comparison to the, the U.S., it, it's very low, especially in terms of gun crime. Um, this is where, especially, uh, I've been keeping up to date on a lot of the, the gun crime stuff, especially since uh, Sandy Hook. And um, by comparison, you know, our gun crime is very, very low indeed. 
um, when I actually look at the the crime rates and the 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 death rates from gun related incidents in the U.S., it, it astounds me. I mean, we went through thirty years of extreme violence and, and shootings and bombings in in Northern Ireland here, and there was never once I can recall whereby people felt the need to really arm themselves. But you seem to have this culture, this um, uh, this thing in the U.S. where everybody feels the need to arm themselves to protect themselves. But yet you do have, you know, the armed forces. You do have your police force. Um, and, and personally, I just find that a little bit difficult to understand. So mm-hmm. I do. I mean, uh, we've come through all of this, but never once during all of those, especially the bad years. No one ever thought of going out and and buying some guns to protect themselves. They just relied on the security forces to do that. So there's not a a fear, so to speak, of Ireland of maybe somebody breaking into your home and then having harm come to you. And then because here, how how we would think of that is that um, if somebody broke into our home, the response time between what bad could happen to you versus the time that the police response would be that you're kind of you're responsible for your fate in that gap okay and so if something was to happen to you in that gap your only line of defense would be a a, a gun probably okay and so but in ireland are they not they're not thinking like that of somebody breaking into their home because we do have a lot of home break-ins here. Well, we would we obviously have burglaries and so on here as well, but probably not to the same extent. And if someone does break into their home, it's usually they're not usually armed with a gun. They'll be armed with maybe a knife or um, something similar to that. Um, Nevertheless, there's not that there's not that fear in in terms of culture and in terms of um, we don't go around feeling fearful when I go to sleep at night. I don't feel that someone's going to break into my home. Um, I don't have that, but it does seem from an outsider looking into the U.S. situation, it seems a lot of people live this way. I mean, they live mm-hmm. with the idea that. Uh, someone could possibly break in with a gun or multiple people could break in with with guns and therefore you have to defend yourself. We, we don't have that same sort of fear here at all. Um, it's not to say that it doesn't happen, but the incidents are, are are not as many. Well, they're not they're not that many at all, in fact. Mm-hmm. And usually, and usually, if things like that happen, gun-related uh, crime normally happens between, um, you know, uh, criminal elements, uh, maybe dissident uh, terrorist mm-hmm. groups. Uh, it tends to work amongst those people mainly, but in terms of the general public, no, it just doesn't. It's not pervasive at all. Really. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. What are the yeah. gun rights in Ireland? Pardon, sir? Are you allowed to have a gun? Oh, yes. You, you can apply for a gun. I mean, for example, um, a lot of the farming community would have guns, especially shotguns and so on. And, of course, you apply for the gun. You you go through all of the, the background checks, the, the all of the usual checks that we would have in place here. Uh, truthfully, I'm not familiar with what they are. Um, but you go through all those checks, and then of course you you can get you you know, you, you can get your gun. Uh, in the main, it would tend to be shotguns and things like that. But again, it's the farming community would use those for pest control, or maybe they do feel isolated, and maybe they do feel that they want to uh, protect themselves. Um, I have a friend who's in the south of Ireland, and, and I know where he has got a shotgun, which he rarely uses. But there again, it would be mainly for pest control on his farm. So, um, well, that is that is that is just incredible. It's it's such a different way of thinking. I mean, it's it's a great way of thinking. And in America, I think we all wish that it was that way that where guns were used for you know pest elimination or whatever, and you didn't have to 
even enter it into your brain as yeah. a necessity yeah. of of living type of you know thing. Well, the Sandy Hook was just a complete complete tragedy on you know yeah. so so many levels, and of course we've had many tragedies like that here in the United States. Yeah. And so even as a, a defender of the Second Amendment, I own a gun. Um, we have a gun in our home. <clears throat> and, um, you know, like I said, a you know, defender of the Second Amendment, um, uh, I am aware that something, we are talking about balance in the last hour with our other guests with uh, TV and film, but I, I, I can, I, I'm aware that something is out of balance and, Something needs to be done. What that is, I don't know, and I feel a frustration as a, as a human um, yeah. with with what is going on. And I can see. I mean, I'm not an idiot. I can see that it's it doesn't happen around the world on a regular basis know. like it does in the United States. You know. Yes. And I, so. I, I, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I, I just I, again I do feel. Um, Many people I know and many of my friends, and we talk about this, and then we look at the U.S., um, we see the rate of gun crime and how accessible guns are. I mean, it's a, for the, the very fact that you have, you maybe go down into into town or uh, on on the, the corner store, and there's a, there's a gun store that would that is just incredible for for us to comprehend that you go in and you can just walk in off the street. And you go around, and you go and instead of uh, shopping for your your uh, baked beans or your coffee or whatever, you 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 instead you shop for a gun, and and I think that's very very difficult for us in uh, in Ireland to, to understand. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Well, here it it is tighter. You just can't. Well, you could walk in and walk out with a gun, but 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 but, but there is a you know the, there's a background check that, that that goes on there. But yes, I mean you could go to a place that sells um, diapers and beans yeah. and um, and uh, birthday wrapping paper, and you could also go to the gun counter. Um, that would be really yeah yeah yeah. Well, Walmart. You know, or you know, stores like that have uh, you know multi-purpose. You know, the 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 super stores. There's all kinds of different things that that go on. Now, um, in in our home, we don't, we don't we you know we only have one gun, <laughs> so we would probably be um, uh, not see. Well, some people might see that as extreme. Only only having one gun. Yeah. And then some people have lots and lots of guns, and some people would see that as extreme. So, and then I think some people fall in the middle, and some people have no guns. Um, yeah. But here, it's just uh, I think most people probably have at least one gun in in yeah. their home, you know, which yeah is just. I really never even thought about it until I really started talking to you and then having your perspective come in. I'm like, really? The world, yeah. it, it's yeah. not as black and white it's as, not as, as I and, and thought of, it was. Yeah. yeah. And one of the things I find as well, it's it, it, because it seems the U.S. Is a, has a different culture. It's got the hunting culture, for example. We don't have that here at all. And therefore... Um, that's why, as an outsider, I cannot look on and, and just say this is wrong or you, you know, you're crazy. Although I do think, certainly after the whole Sandy Hook thing, whereby um, the shooting and where you had uh, a guy who could go in with an assault type uh, weapon mm-hmm. and firing multiple rounds with a magazine uh, of 30 bullets in it, I do think that is crazy. I mean, um, I don't. I, I look on and I think, why do you have these particular weapons accessible to the public surely are they not a military style weapon um to me that's where somewhere along the line you you think well if if i look at american the american situation there's no way you could remove all guns but what mm-hmm. you need to draw the line somewhere and say well what guns are you not permitted to have and therefore when i like to look on and i think 
uh, of the those the, the AR AR fifteens, the Bushmaster type, and I, you just think, why on earth would you need one of those things? I, I right. don't understand. That's where I do, I don't understand, and and I look on and I think there's a, a, a it's it's gone too far from an outsider's point of view. Mm-hmm. And that so with, with the Sandy Hook situation, and then having all of this. Um, perspective that, that you have about what's going on in America, it led you to write Masters of War. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that song, and then we'll take a break and we'll play it so people can hear it. I think that you did a really good job with that song. And and like I said, even though I'm a I'm a def- supporter, I, I'll say if I'm a defender of the, you know, I haven't really had to defend the Second Amendment, but, 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 but I support it. And uh, yes. um, uh I, I, it wouldn't have occurred to me to write a song like that, but but it, it really made me stop and think when you wrote Masters of War of what it, it, it touched a place that I was already struggling with internally about things being out of balance and and that there was so much violence and there had to be that there had to be some solution that both sides could live with. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the the fear in the United States is if you take away people's guns that obviously just the, well, the, the, the there's a lot of debates but one of them is that the 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 criminal element does not go through background checks and yeah, yeah. they they would still it would be almost impossible to take their guns away okay yeah. and so then the 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 honest law abiding citizens would have their guns taken away and but we still have that fear you you're not taking away the fear of somebody breaking into someone's home and um and 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 harm not coming to them. So that yeah. fear it goes hand in hand with with owning a gun. If you take away the the the, the law abiding person's gun, the criminal still has their gun. That fear is still there of of someone coming into your home. And now you don't have that last line of defense, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, there, but but there's got to be some type of balance, like you were saying, because obviously yeah. We, yeah. we can see that, you know, something is, is out of whack. And so you wrote this song, Masters of War, that we're going to play again here in just a moment. Well, Masters of War, um, I grew up with, um, you know, listening to a lot of Bob Dylan. He was my he was my hero, and he, he actually wrote a song called Masters of War in the early 60s, and it was very much a protest song about especially the armaments industry and the people who, you know, Dylan uses the, the phrase, you know, you hide behind walls, you hide behind desks, but I want you to know that I can see through your mask. And it was the whole idea of, um, you know, the people the people who make money on the back of of armaments and guns and, and so on. And the younger ones, they go out and they get killed, but there's a lot of people make an awful lot of money on it. And, and I, that's why I chose to use the, the Masters of War Revisited because I think there was a lot of, I felt there's a lot of similarities to to what was happening now. I mean, I, I do feel that um, while the the NRA make all the noise about uh, the Second Amendment, while they make all the noise about you know safety and everything, the bottom line for me, as again, but again, speaking as an outsider, it's all about money. I mean, the they just want to make more money, and the more guns they sell, the more money they make. When they want to put guns in in schools um, and so on, it's about selling more guns. Well, anyway, when I came back, you know, I thought of the, uh, the the song came about really uh, as I as I watched things on the news concerning Sandy Hook. Uh, when I read things online, when um, I, I listened to all of the details. Uh, I, I was just absolutely, you know, I, I was shocked. I was very, very shocked about what had actually happened, how it had happened. Uh, I have a seven-year-old daughter, and I think that's what really brought it home to me, is when many of these younger children were riddled with bullets. They weren't just shot once. They were riddled between three and 11 times. And, you know, my daughter, the same, I could I could visualize the same thing happening to her, and what I would have felt like as a father, and of course, when I, I I felt that way, I felt I've got to write something, I've got to say something, I can't be silent in this, and that's where the the, the song actually came from. 
Okay. Uh, well, let's play it so that other people can listen, then we'll come back and talk about it. I find that your perspective is just so enlightening for me and so refreshing from the standpoint is that I appreciate knowing how other people outside of my culture perceive us. Yeah. And um, and it's um, I think it's great, Andy, even though you and I have a little bit of a, a different viewpoint on that, I can certainly appreciate that. So we're going to play Master of War, and uh, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about it. So we'll be back in, in just a minute with Andy McCarroll. Thank you. Damn you, Masters of War. Just look what you've done. Like Judas of old, 
is the access accessibility of guns. I mean, you can just walk down the street and there's a store and you can buy a gun. And that's where it's very, very different. Different. And as long as people have such easy access to, especially the the um, sort of the more assault type weapons and the weapons that that can do more damage and and rapid firing, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, the more people are going to unfortunately die as a result of it all. If those things were limited. Uh, there would be less deaths. I think if you, the more guns you have of this particular um, type, then it's it's reasonable to assume that there's going to be more deaths as a result of that. Sure, sure, yeah. It's um, you know, it's a it's a very deep rooted issue. Uh, there's in there's a level in the United States of distrust with government. Um, I, I don't know if it's like that. If if, if other countries just you know um, have that same level of distrust with their governments, but 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 we certainly do in in the United States. We have a distrust with um, criminal justice system to some degree, and of course we have a distrust yeah. with um, thinking that our ultimate protection lies in a third party. Yeah. And um, here. It's just been ingrained into us that you know your your ultimate um, survival or protection is lies in within your own hands. Um, yeah. That you cannot count on somebody to get there in time. And, and like I said, it, it goes back to a, a basic um, uh, fear of somebody coming in and, and doing you harm. And I will yeah. say that does happen. You know, it's it's happened to me in the past, um, and it's happened to other people I know. It happens every day. I mean, we are bombarded in on, on, on TV with, thing, you know, situation after situation after situation of crime here in the United States. So until I think that, that we see that crime is down and we don't need that protection, it, it's going to be hard for us to take that fear yeah, of protecting yeah. ourselves out of, you know, out of the equation. Now, how do you take, you know, an assault rifle into that situation? I can completely wrap my brain around that. I'm going to be out of line with staunch Second Amendment supporters about that. I I can see that if you are just a law-abiding, good guy, good girl, you want an assault weapon, you know, you can have an assault weapon. But there's huge responsibility that comes with that. Um, the, the, the lady at Sandy Hook, uh, yeah. where the guns came from, um, she didn't take that responsibility. It does not appear very serious or as seriously as she should have because her son was able to access those weapons. So if you do have those type of weapons, I think there's a huge, huge responsibility that comes with that, enormous. And maybe that responsibility is not worth the acquisition of that firearm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But but, but there's got to be some type of link in there. I don't want an assault weapon at all because I'd probably kill myself. But... um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, but 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 if somebody else, you know, I I don't know why you might need one. Except for I grew up in a in a household where fear of um, invasion <laughs> from um, other countries uh, was prevalent in my home, and that um, invasion and that, from other countries. Yes, yes, that okay. yes, and that we might need to. Defend ourselves as a, as and, and I, I will tell you that still goes on right now. And with many people, I know that if another country was to invade us, that, that we would have to be armed as citizens to defend ourselves. And I know lots of people. To be honest, now it just comes to my head that that they they use that all the time. That if um, oh. 
at the time during the Cold War, it was Russia. You know, if Russia was to invade or China was to invade or someone else, that we would need to, as as a family, have uh, or families within a neighborhood that we would be militia. Yes. And, and, and I know people who think like that right now to this day. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, again, so that also that's, that's, comes into it, too. <laughs> yeah. And see, that's probably, again, part of your whole history. I mean, mm-hmm. I think the very, um, again, one big difference is the, the size of the U.S. I mean, it's a it's a massive, you know, compared, compared to Ireland, it's a massive place. And therefore, certainly, um, you know, uh, certainly when the, the Second Amendment was written, I mean, you had large areas of where there was no real law enforcement, uh, and maybe there was a need for there was definitely a need for people to protect themselves. But as, as certainly as as time goes on, and where you do have law enforcement agencies in place, like like we for example have here as well, I mean somewhere along the line you've got to hand over that. Well, this is the question I'm asking more than anything else. Surely you must hand that over to those agencies uh, and, and trust them. But there again, I, I don't know this the situation there at all. And, right. Uh, and see, here, he, the, the argument would be more that, um, in, it, that, that you would probably need self-protection more in in a, 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 a dense population um, than you would maybe even out. Well, although there's going to be argument for, you know, being out as well, but even in a dense population, you're going to have more of the criminal element coming at you, so the odds would go up that you would come in contact with the criminal element and that the police, that there's a small amount of police and a large criminal element and that the response time from the police to you, and that's the perception, would be... From the time here that you would call 911 to the time that the police would get to your house would be a few minutes, and what would be done in that that time and in that in that circle of time would be between you and the criminal element. And the only thing the argument would be the only thing standing between you and that void of time would be how you could defend yourself. Yes, yeah. That I, I understand that. that. I, I understand that. Yes. Okay, so and, you know it's it's going to go on and on and on, and and you know it's a, it, it, it's a huge debate. I certainly can understand that um, it is out of balance, and I'm fascinated with with how the rest of the world perceives us in that, and it's it's good to be able to um, have that viewpoint because. I can understand that that, that 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 it seems out of balance. I I totally yeah. get that. Um, yeah. And a, a, as a sensitive person and a sensitive soul, I I I wish that there was a better way. I don't know if the genie is so far out of the bottle in the United States that 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 can ever be. But something absolutely, you are one hundred percent right. Something needs to be done. We cannot continue to have these tragedies at this epic proportion um and and i think anyone can can agree with that and yeah. um and, and something absolutely has to be done but let's talk about andy the rest of your you have other songs and your writing songs you um have a, a great website uh, com. great artwork on there who, who does the artwork on there do you do that <laughs> what I actually designed it and then I gave it to web designers, but the, the actual main cover was actually done as a competition with my children in school. Um, I, I put it, uh, these are 11 year olds, and I said, This is what I would like to do, and I, I ran it as a competition uh, in, in our, what we call Primary 7, their 11 year olds. And um, that was the winning one, and the I chose that, and I'm very, very pleased with it. An 11-year-old did that? An 11-year-old did that, yes. And that's the oh. way I would tend to do it. I, lo- I love children's art. I love children's work. And and I think it has a freshness, and sometimes they, they you know, they, they will just do things the way they feel, the way they, they want to do something. 
um, my daughter was working earlier on and, and she had these three paper plates but she, we have this program called Peppa Pig do you have that in the States? Mm-hmm. no, it's, it's a children's program and of course she had made Peppa Pig out of these three uh, three plates and I think with children's art they tend to children just go with what they want to do and they just do it and uh, and I love that. I, I love the, the sort of the spontaneity of that and the way they just, um, you know, they, they, they don't really think inside the box. They they just do what they want to do and they'll say, well, I want to use this, I want to use that, and I want to cut and stick this, I want to use paint here, I want to use salt to pens here, and they just go for it. And that's where that, it came from. That's amazing. That That is, that is amazing. They, they They did a great, great job. And you're right. You know, they're at, at that age. They're they haven't been super influenced by outsiders saying don't do this or don't do that or that's wrong or oh you know you don't want to do that. It's it's complete freedom. Yes. Yeah. What, what do they think about your um, singing and songwriting? Well. Um, I think they're beginning to know about it. I mean, I've only been doing what I've been doing recently. Um, I've only been doing since last uh, July. That's when I started doing all of this. Uh, before, and I don't know whether you know this, I used to work with a band called Moral Support. It was way, way back, um, and it was very much a sort of had Christian roots. It was very much a sort of, I wouldn't say gospel stuff, but it's, it was the whole new wave thing. That's where I started out. And then I, for a long time, I didn't do anything at all. I uh, I was a teacher. I decided um, I didn't want anything more to do with. I didn't want to tour. I didn't want to work in a band. I didn't want to. I just wanted to have a, a, a nice, easy life. And uh, mm-hmm. so I decided that, um, you know, I, I'd go back to teaching. Love my job. I love teaching children. Um but just over this last number of years, I, I thought I'd love to write again, and this time not perform, um, but write. And I'm looking for other people, and that's where if any of your listeners, if you've got people who really wanted work in the music industry, then I would love to, to write for more people. And obviously in that, I'd have to, not only would they have to believe in me in terms of writing material, but I would have to believe in them in terms of, their performance and ability to perform and real desire to to make it in the music business. Well, you'll probably get some people respond. There's there's um what, what people don't understand is um music is a tough business and it's a tough life and and I can understand you wanting to take a break and you know, go into teaching or something because it, it is it is hard. It, it's a business, and and that's what a lot of people don't understand about music. Um, is and that's what I found with a lot of musicians is the hardest thing for them to to navigate in music is the business and aspect yeah. of the of the music business. Yes. Well, I, I think for me it was it was certainly that yes, but uh, from my early days uh, I grew up in. Um, uh, sort of very much a Christian environment, and I I went along to church and did all of that, um, and, and therefore for a long time when I started to write, it was all about Jesus. It was about very much church-based things. And um, when I when I stopped, I find that I find that I couldn't really do anything else. I found it really difficult to write about ordinary life. Uh, it didn't seem to have the same meaning, the same. Um, it just didn't have it for me at all, and, and I to write about ordinary things or just about my perspective on the world, I, I just found it really difficult to do, and therefore, I it's been the whole time out of it. Uh, I, I'm not really involved in church anymore, um, and I think it's being out of that has really helped me see a much broader picture. I I, I feel. In those particular days, uh, it was very much life in a bubble, and I lived, mm-hmm. uh, lived uh, life in a very narrow way. And it's only when I actually came out of that that then I, I started to to think about other things and think about the broader aspects of the world uh, that we live in. And 
and I find now that I can write about so many different things, and that's what I want to do, basically. Absolutely. That's that's great. And that's one thing I want to mention, because I've had that same kind of epiphany. I, I grew up in a bubble, um, very narrow-minded. Well, I, and I think most people do, because your, your your world is narrow, and your sphere of influence is very narrow, and you, you, you just have the influence of your inner circle, your your family, your parents. Yes, that's and, right, yeah. and, and then as you get out of that, you, you start seeing think things differently. Well, because when, when you're a child, they can't really let you go out into the big world, you know, because there's, well, of course, in the United States, there's just so much to yeah. maybe be afraid of. We're kind of going back to that again. But, um, yeah. But as you grow up, you start having different experiences. You start having kind of a, a, another life um, experience. And so it, it does. It broadens your view. You start seeing things from other perspectives. You can think about those things and um, marinate on them and, and uh, come to different views. I, I think you're right on with that. Yes, yeah. And obviously that's we, where I then – sorry? No, no. Um, I, I was going to say the same thing. It's obviously where you've come up with, you know, a lot of the things that you're writing about. Yeah, I, I there's so many things that I want to write about, and, and uh, not only in terms of relationships. Uh, it's really funny because um, when I was working with uh, this band, Moral Support, it was very much, you know, as a Christian, I wanted to change the world, and um, and I and then I came at, I came through a phase of. I am really tired of trying to change the world because I just can't do it. I'd be uh, I'd be quite happy enough if I can change me, um, and therefore I came out of that whole thing. But it's really interesting. Therefore, then I go run and and I turn around and I write a song like Masters of War, which again, as again, wanting to change something. But there is that dimension to me to what I want to write. But now it's so much broader. There are other things. But I just want to just have fun songs, um, things about life and perspective, my perspective on life and and others' perspective on life as well. Well, I think that's a good hook for a song that you just came up with. I can't change the world, but I can change me. You should write a song around that because that's really the yeah. basis of the whole thing. You know, yeah. that's yeah. you know, if if if, if you try to look at the whole perception of changing the world is just too huge. But if we just start with me and, and go from that point, it has little ripple effects that, that, that go out into the world and, and, and small changes can be made, just like we were talking about in the last hour with uh, Edward Fudge. You know, he just started with his his little um, perspective. And then 30 years later, 30 years later, there's this huge film that, that comes out um, that you will have obviously ripple effects there and so but he just started with him and then the yeah. same thing you just you start with you and I start with me and here I'm talking to you from the United States and you're in Ireland and we have this great discussion and uh, um, it's, it's just little things like that along the way and that's forming this human chain and experience and linking them all together. I think it's fantastic. I think it's great. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Yes. yes. Well, we're going to go out today with Circus. I, um, I'm going to play that one out today, Andy. I, I want people to go to your website, eddiemcarroll.com, and I'll give you the final word. Yes. Yes, and also probably the one even more so than my website, I, I use my my Facebook. It's just Andy McCall Music. And that's where I tend to do most of my postings, and uh, you know that's where I make a, a much. I probably use it more at the moment than my own website. But um, yes, Laurie, it's been lovely talking to you. Um, um, I, I hope I get a chance to to, to talk again. Um, the Masters of War. I, I enjoyed writing, and I'm really glad that I had a chance to to speak about it and, and say um, say to your listeners concerning it. I, I, I again, the bottom line is that I'm not wanting to be judgmental. I just want to ask questions, and I think if there's a way in which we can all have a better life for for everyone, and especially our children, then it's uh, it's really important to make uh, for all of us to make really good choices and good decisions. 
uh, even though it may be different to what we've done in the past. Um, and that's, uh, you know, that, that's what I wanted to do through that song. But um, I'm, I'm going to keep writing, and I'll keep on sending you stuff. And then if you want me back, I'll be very happy to come back and chat some more. Well, you know I'll have you back any time, Andy, any, any time. And I, I just want everyone to know, now you see why I love Andy McCarroll. He's just a great guy, <laughs> and he's asking questions. There's nothing wrong with asking questions. We, we should be, in fact, we encourage asking questions. That's, in the United States, that's, you know, we, we say this. We, the, the First Amendment, for uh, freedom of speech, um, we, we need to be able to ask these questions, and we need to be able to have civilized discussions with, with friends who are, you know, have a little bit different life experience and um, and, and have, to have these conversations. There's nothing wrong with that, absolutely nothing wrong. We could only gain from that. And, Andy, yeah. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing that with everybody, and, and especially me over the past year, and we, we will absolutely do this again. Yes, and we'll keep in touch on Twitter, and, and anybody else who wants to join us, feel free. It's lovely talking to you, Laurie, uh, after all of this time, and uh, <laughs> hopefully we'll get a chance to, to talk soon. We will, definitely. Will you have a good rest of your day? I know you are eight hours ahead of us here, so um, my day's just beginning. Yours is coming to an end, and uh, we're going to go out with Circus by Andy McCarroll. Find him on Twitter, find him on Facebook, and uh, support his music, and absolutely join. let's join the conversation, but we're only going to have a civilized conversation, so if you're not civilized, you're not invited. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Laurie. My pleasure, All right, too. Andy. Okay, talk thank to you. you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. All right, so that was Andy McCarroll. You understand why I, why I enjoy him so much, and we're going to go out today with his um, his song, Circus. Have a good day. Once more the circus has come to town You are the jugger and I the clown Yes, you're the act that I won't forget No one mistake that I regret And I was goodbye and I was for good and No more tries, I was understood Don't want you here messing up my brain I did that once, but